0: Excellent. Morning, everyone. Very nice to see you and to be with you. Uh, we're doing—if you weren't here last week—we're finishing off a little bit two-week series. So we had part one last week. We've got part two uh, today, called One Verse Wonders. It's a little bit different. Instead of looking at larger chunks of the Scriptures, working through different books of the Bible, we've been focusing on just one verse. So last week we looked at a verse. This week we looked at a verse. And partly the hope has been that we will uh, encourage each other to get back to memorizing parts of the Scriptures. I think that's gone out of fashion a little bit in Christian circles, and it's a shame. We we've, we've lost. It's good to memorize parts of the Scriptures. Very good to be able to hold on to truth that you know in your head and your heart when the flesh, the devil, and the word, are scream, and the world, the, word, and the world are screaming half truths or lies at us. And so I chose two verses for us to think about. I didn't want to choose the verses everyone knows, so we didn't go for John 3.16 or those kind of things. I wanted them to be less well-known so that it will take a bit of work for us to memorise them. Uh, But there was thinking behind the two and why I've chosen the two. They do go together, even though they're from different books of the Bible uh, written at different times. I said this last week, but I want to say it again today because it helps. This is very much part two of the two-part. It goes in conjunction with the first part. I chose them to help us in two areas of the Christian life. The area, firstly, of God's sovereignty, and secondly, the area of human responsibility. I said that last week, those two truths are very important. The truth of God being in charge, that's God's sovereignty, and us needing to take ownership of what we do, that's human responsibility, both of them are vital within the Christian life. And if you ignore either one, too weighted towards one for a long period of time, you will become imbalanced, you'll become unhealthy as a disciple of Jesus. Holding both of them in tension, living in the light of them, and, and knowing them is very important. The truth of God's sovereignty is one of the most wonderful things that the Bible teaches. And there will be times in our lives when it may be the only thing that gets you through a particular season in life. The knowledge that despite how things get, or seen or how you feel God's still in charge that things won't ultimately spin out of control that God's purposes won't ultimately be thwarted that the devil won't win he's in charge and at times we need to be reminded of that we need to rest in it we need to trust in it that's God's sovereignty but if you only focused on that if you only reflected on that or lived in the light of that you might think it doesn't matter what we do You might think that our decisions, our actions, our prayers, our effort isn't necessary because God's in charge, his will will be done, but that's not the Bible's teaching. The scriptures teach all the way through human responsibility that what you and I do counts, that our decisions and our actions we're responsible for. So there are times when in the light of that you and I need to be challenged to perhaps buck up our ideas because what we do is important. We may be challenged to work harder, or do better, or serve more sacrificially, or be more disciplined, or refrain from certain things, or take up certain things, or stop certain things. That's human responsibility. And what I said last week, and I'll say again, that we need to hold on to, and believe, and practice both. And so last week was exactly one on divine sovereignty, on God's sovereignty. This week is human responsibility. When you look at divine sovereignty, what, what, what we end up doing is being encouraged. We, we feel more, we rejoice because we know that he's in charge. When we do human responsibility, it's more challenging. Again, we need both those, do Sometimes we need the encouragement, sometimes we need the challenge. Part of being good as a parent or a teacher or a friend or a, a, a minister is knowing when to do one or, or the other. Sometimes if someone needs encouragement and what you do is give them a prod and a kick in the pants, that's the worst thing to do. Also the other way too though, if someone needs a prod or a kick in the pants and all you do is encourage them, that can be dangerous as well. We need both. Well that's why we've done it over two weeks. That means if you want encouragement and comfort you should have been here last week. <laughs> That's where I'm going with this. Uh, please do listen to the sermon. Uh, it's on the website. You can be encouraged. And uh, today is human responsibility. Today is us thinking about how we live and how we act and those kind of things. It may be more challenging. So we need to be prepared. So last week, just in terms of, let's see whether anyone can <coughs> the any of the verse, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Does anyone know it? These four don't lose hearts. That's good. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though so outwardly you're wasting away, inwardly you're renewing day by day. Very good. I should clap that side of the room. I don't know <laughs> what's going on over okay. yeah. here, this side of the room is doing very well. That was the verse we looked at last time. Keep learning. That's a great verse to learn. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly oh, we're wasting away, inwardly God's renewing his day by day. That's a wonderful truth. Don't be just because the world seems to be closing in. Just because don't judge a book by its coming Because God's in charge. Don't lose heart. This week is chapter two. Uh, is two Timothy chapter four, verse seven. And so I'll just get you to leave it on verse seven. We'll just have it there. It's Paul writing again, and this is our verse for today. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Same with me. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. I want you to memorize this verse too. This verse is Paul, obviously towards the end of his life, not long before he (coughs) had to be with the Lord, and he's looking back and he's able to say, I did it. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. He's done it. Now that particular perspective may not be all of ours today. There may be some of us who are towards the end of our lives and we are able to have a kind of similar feeling and sentiment that Paul does here. But for many of us here this morning, that can't be it because there's, we hope, there's still a little bit left to come. There's still a bit more life to be lived. So therefore, I want those of us who hope there's a bit more to be lived, for us to think of this verse aspirationally. We want to remember this verse and think to ourselves, therefore, I need to keep fighting the good fight. We need to hear this verse and go, therefore, I need to keep running so that I will finish the race. We need to hear it and go, therefore, I need to keep holding on to faith. That's what I want us to do, so that one day we too will be able to be like Paul and say so "We did it. Does that make sense? I want us to hold on to that verse aspirationally, so that we will keep fighting, keep going until we finish, keep holding on to the faith. So let's have a think about the verse and what Paul means by it. Luckily, it's one of those verses in the Bible where we don't have to spend lots of time trying to figure out the hidden meaning or plumbing the depths. It's pretty much there. Paul is saying that living as a Christian in this fallen world is tough. He likens it to a fight, and he says he's been in that fight. He likens it to a race where it's achieving something just to finish the race. I take it that must be something like a a, a marathon. He, He likens it to something that you've got to keep holding on to faith. His point is, you've got to finish. You've got to persevere. You've got to get back up when you get knocked down. It's hard, but we've got to keep going. That's the verse. And I've got no points today. That's how the verse it means. It was like last week, there was really no point. There's just an encouragement and an exhortation to hold on to this truth. We need to keep going. Christians need to keep persevering. Keep being in the fight. Keep in the race until you finish. But here's the way. This is why it's tricky, because you and I live in a world today that's characterised, I think, by giving up instead of carrying on. We live in a world today that's characterised by not trying, not coping. It's characterised more by quitting, not taking care of responsibilities, not doing the hard yards. It's everywhere around us. You and I live in the age of the snowflake generation. As soon as I say that, I'm worried about saying that because there's lots of talk and it's become kind of political and all that. I won't let me explain what I mean by it because I don't want to be judged on what other people mean by it or what they've said. If you've never heard the term Snowflake Generation, let me uh, kind of introduce it. it it's in 2016, it was one of Collins Dictionary's words of the year. As far as I can tell, but others can instruct me afterwards, Uh, The the term seems to have come from the movie, The Fight Club, this is not a recommendation for that particular movie, but in that movie, one of the characters says, you are not special, you are not a beautiful and unique snowflake. So here what's been said there, you're not special, you are not a beautiful and unique snowflake. So the term snowflake generation has come to represent people, often younger generations, but it didn't go along the spectrum, who think of themselves as unique and special. And that, like a snowflake, there's no two of the same, and all that kind of thing, you the imagery. And they're told that they can be anything they want to be, can do anything they want to do. And they come up through preschools that never say no to them. They have parents that make them the centre of all the world's activities. They go to schools where they play games that they don't lose and take assessments that they can't fail. And therefore they become entitled and they become expectant. And they can't handle it when people disagree with them. They can't handle it if they're offended by other people. They can't cope with unmet expectations or losing or failing. The world promises much, delivers little, and so people struggle. And here's the, where it ends up and where I'd like to kind of start unpacking this is people therefore lack resilience. They therefore lack the ability to cope with life. Because their expectations are so different to the reality they encounter. Because the way they're raised is so different to the world that they experience. Now, I want to say that there's some unfair things said in all of that thinking. There's some good stuff in a lot of what I've just said. The Christian belief is that every single person in here is special and unique. Made in the image of God, loved by God. That's a wonderful truth we should hold on to. It's a wonderful thing when parents love their children and raise them up and they know they're loved. It's great that there's an education system that wants to pursue the best for the students in their care, but it can go too far in different ways and that's when the problems creep in. I'm not trying to say that this is all evil, all terrible. I am trying to point warnings out. And I hope it's clear that I'm not blaming a particular generation. It seems to me to be silly. If are not going to blame anyone, the blame falls on me and parents of my generation. Uh, and educators of my age and the, the politicians of my era and it's us that have told our kids because they're special and unique which we agree with they're more important than other people. It's us that have said because they're special and unique which is true you should pursue your own pursuits and your own desires above caring for others and thinking about other people. It's us who've taken something which is good in and of itself and made it something terrible and selfish and awful. That you can, we we tell our children that they can be whatever they want to be and do whatever they want to do. That's just not true. And if we give them those expectations, it's 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 terrible kind of growing up in that way. Everything's about identity. So is it any wonder when everyone becomes self-obsessed and self-absorbed? There's truth in it, but it leads to dangerous things. It, it all becomes very very selfish. There's no looking out for others, just you do you. There's no change yourself for the good of others, it's exactly the opposite. Never change yourself for someone else. That's the message of today. It's not how Christians are. And that kind of philosophy of life leads to misery. It leads to selfishness. There's sometimes when you meet people because we're all fallen people. This is why Christianity makes sense because it's true of who we are and the world around us. Because we're fallen people, I don't want to tell anyone, just be true to yourself. Because we're all fallen. There are some things that you need to change. There are some things that you should repress. There are some things that you should control. All that's true. You can be overstressed and all, all those of things. The world dishes out lessons and expectations that then people can't live up to, that brings failure and misery. And no one, no one knows how or to cope with or pick people up from it. And even the people that do kind of look like they're succeeding. So you can be what you want to be, JB, and so I grow up and be an all that kind of success. But then I realise that being that doesn't fulfil me, because that's not what I was created for. So whether you lose, you suffer. Even if you kind of make it in the world's eyes, you still suffer because that's not what we're about. But because this is what we're doing and encouraging and modelling, we've got people growing up with very little resilience. They don't know how to cope with pain. They don't know how to get through suffering. They don't know how to lose or fail. We've got people that don't know how to be bored because they're behind a screen all the time. We haven't prepared them for life. We haven't prepared them for loss. And it's not a particular generation, it's the world's fault. We're not producing people able to keep fighting a good fight and finishing the race. They can't handle pressure, boredom, engage in the face of failure, endure through suffering. I think this is a massive problem today. Parents do everything for their children. And there's a sense that that is a good, right, and a loving thing to do. But it can become a point where it causes problems. When we're raising people, who think the main aim of life is being true to themselves. No wonder we're so selfish. No wonder relationships are so poor and communities so fractured. No wonder people are so isolated and sad. I must, I thought as I was doing this, because I don't want to step into all yours too late, probably, but um, I must do a talk sometime on Christian parenting. The importance of Christian parents saying no to their children. The importance of Christian parents telling their children they can't have certain things so that they know they're not the centre of everything. The avoidance of Christian parents beating their children at every game of sport they play with them. And what the heck? There are some who let their children win. And I just said, like, what are you doing? I've, there's not one child of mine that's ever beat me, is there? That's not true. But I do take great pleasure in dominating them, no matter how high or tall or old they are. But there's something to that. There's something to that. Because being able to cope with losing being able to cope with failure is a good thing. I, I still remember uh, seeing Jesse's face in a couple of areas when he beat his dad for the first time and he knew he earned it. He knew he worked for something. It's, it's kind of, anyway, I'm off the hobby so Let's go. <laughs> now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that everyone who's struggling with life is in the same boat. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Far from it. But I hope you can see that some of it is self-inflicted because we fall into the world's way of thinking and we give people wrong expectations. We're surrounded by people struggling to survive life. And you can see it as they take up drugs, or alcohol, or gaming, or pornography, or Netflix, or gambling, those kind of things can become masks. To, to cover inability to cope with life, to continue on and press on. People give up and drop out. And this has crept into the Christian life. It's cre- crept into uh, a way of thinking about the Christian life that, that that brings the same theory and principles with it. If I'm not on top of Chris, I should probably pack it in. I'll do Christianity as long as it's working for me, as long as it's succeeding and... But when the tough times come, when it gets hard, when other things promise more, we're likely to throw in a towel like we do in every other area of life. Paul would say, fight the good fight. Paul would say, finish the race. Paul would say, keep the faith. Keep on holding the faith. Persevere, work, labour, struggle. He uses this imagery precisely because it's hard and we must keep going and pressing on. You ever been in a fight? No fights that uh, I like, no. A fight is hard work. I've been in a fight. It's hard, hard work. It's really hard. It's why those fights in movies never look because they just finish. A real fight is a nightmare because it never ends until someone kind gives up. It's hard work. There's a reason why people do fighting training for fitness at the moment. When they're hitting mitts and stuff like that, because it's hard work. And that's hard work without being punched or wrestled or someone having jiu-jitsu on you or whatever else. It's very difficult. Running a marathon is a, is a part where everyone's got to get through the wall where it's tough. And uh, these are the images that Paul is using of living the Christian life. He's speaking about needing a gut check. He's speaking of needing discipline and toughening it out. He's speaking of resilience. Christians are to fight, to finish, to keep on. Paul did. You and I are too. The truth is that down through the centuries, Christians have coped with the difficulties of life in this world better than non-Christians. We've coped with it better because we've had a different set of expectations and perspective. But somehow in recent days, we're taking on the world's expectations and perspective and, and therefore carrying on as a Christian becoming even harder. But have a think for a moment about the Christian expectation and perspective. Because when you've got this firmly in mind, it will help you carry on and press on in life. Have the right expectations. When you've got the right expectations, you're prepared. Christianity says life is tough. Paul says it's a fight. He says it's a race, probably a mountain. Jesus says anyone who wants to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. Real expectations come through in Christianity. Life's going to be hard. We know it's going to be tough, so we must be tough. We know it's going to be long, so we must keep going. The fight or the race needs training and discipline and work ethic and grip and heart and all those kind of things. Now, we know we have a saviour, we know we've got a spirit who works on it, so that was God's sovereignty. We're looking at human responsibility. We're focusing on this aspect today. Uh, Notice you don't have to win the race, you just have to finish the race.
1: Notice too, uh, it's not in this verse,
0: but we don't have the rest of the scriptures, we don't just worry about ourselves finishing the race, but other people, we want to get them over. But you see, it's a race where you've got to finish and there's no shortcuts or motor scoops. We want to have realistic expectations. Living for the Lord and for, and putting others first in this world is hard. Letting the Lord down and carrying on, seeing others let the Lord down, repeatedly, it, it's hard. It gets us bogged down. Us not growing spiritually as we would like. Us going through times when we feel spiritually dry, that is really tough. When we feel like we lack meaningful Christian fellowship, it's tough. But the scriptures prepare us for this reality. And in, in the light of that, we keep fighting, keep running, keep believing. Right Christian perspective uh, also helps us. That's right Christian expectations. Right Christian perspective also helps us. Because when you're living a life as a Christian, you're not just focused on the here and now and what you're struggling with. You live in the light of what's happened before, you live in the light of what's going to happen, and you live in the light of who's above us, which is our Father. I say this a lot of seems, but it's because it's important and we need to live it in our, in our lives. The Christian life always looks back at the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Knowing who we have as a Saviour and what He did to save us. We also live with a view to the future because we know that this fallen world with its suffering will not always be the way it is. It will come to an end at some stage. And we also live this life with kind of looking up, knowing that we're in our Father's hands. We don't just get caught up in the here and now. We look back at our Saviour, we look forward to our future and we know whose hands we're in. We still fight, we still race, we, keep, we still keep holding on but we do it with an eye to the past in Jesus with an eye to the future, knowing one day it would be better, and an eye you have have three eyes, and, a, and looking up with the two eyes that have looked in other directions to see our father. The Christian faith gives... Let me, say, let me put it like this. I, I became convinced of this uh, during the week. The Christian faith gives realistic expectations of this world, and it holds out the true hope for our future. This world is the exact opposite. It holds out unrealistic expectations of this world with no hope for the future. Let me say that again because I think it's true and I think it's profound. The Christian faith gives realistic expectations of how difficult life here and now is but it holds out true hope for the future. This world does the opposite. It holds out unrealistic expectations of this world with no hope for the future. Very hard to be resilient when you've got no hope for the future. This world says you can be all you want to be. You are great. You being you will bring satisfaction. You caring for you and your rights and your desires will bring you fulfilment. And when that doesn't work in this world, there's nothing to look forward to. It holds out false hope. It's empty and hollow. And when people realise that they have nothing to look forward to. That's why so many people in this world today are hopeless. Literally hopeless. They have no hope. Desperate. Christianity is the opposite. It's realistic about the now. You're in a fight. You're in a race. You must finish. You need to be holding on and persevering. But it gives us the sure and certain hope we have of what the future holds because of the Lord Jesus. And that hope allows us to be resilient, to cling, to nourish. It gives us heart. Christian faith gives realistic expectations of this world and holds out true hope for the future. This world's the exact opposite. Unrealistic expectations of this world and no hope for the future. Christianity has the right expectations and perspective, so live in the light of that. It. it may be hard now, but keep going. What do you do when you wrestle with good as a Christian? Is you keep fighting, you keep struggling. You keep going. You keep saying sorry, Lord. You keep repenting publicly. And mm. you keep thanking the Lord for the forgiveness and salvation that's yours and keep you keep going. There's no. You keep going. King David's a wonderful example and I always give David a hard time on that. I'm okay. calling David, not even King David. But I automatically straight go to, well, he failed as a human being, he had an fear, he was trying to have terror. David did a great thing because when you have a Christian leader like that, a leader in God's people, often what you're tempted to do if you fail is you hide it from people or you cover it up. David wrote a psalm about it that Israel kept singing about. He was very public about his faith. He was open about it. He repented. And he kind of held on to what the Lord offered We keep confessing. We keep repenting. We keep trusting. We keep striving. We keep being faithful. We keep genuinely loving and serving with an eye on what our Saviour has done and an eye to the future knowing we'll not always be like this and acknowledge that we're in the hands of our Father who won't let us. It's worth it. I'm saying today, take the knocks, endure the pain, get over it when you've been offended, deal with, with failure in your life, and keep trusting the Lord. That's what we need to do. Keep going. All pastoral care at one level, they never teach teacher that's at Bible College, but in the end, all pastoral care at one level can come down to two words, which is keep going. The way you say that's very important. And the other truths that you point to is very important. But there's nothing else. There is keep going. There's knowledge of who God is and what he's done and those sorts of things. But keep going in the end is what we must do. When it's too hard, we keep punching, says Paul. When it's feeling long, we keep running, says Paul. There's a line in Rocky Balboa. Here we go. Where Rocky is talking to his grown son. And I wish I could do this in Sylvester Stallone's unique accent, but I can't. But he says this. It ain't about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning <laughs> done. It ain't about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Paul would put it slightly differently. Paul, I'm very sure, would have a different accent. (laughs) But it's very similar. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. We need strength and resilience and perseverance in the Christian life. We need to keep praying, opening up the stretches, keep attending, keep loving, keep serving. We do it looking back turning our eyes upon Jesus, because there's nothing in this world worth living for more than that. And when our eyes are turned upon him, it will help us. And we do it looking forward, knowing that it will not always be like this. We will be a day when it comes to an end because of what our great right Savior has done. And we do it looking up, trusting the one who's holding us. But we've got to keep doing We've got to keep going. We've got to be resilient and disciplined. <coughs> all I want to do today is to encourage us to fight the good fight. Finish the race. And keep the faith. That's the change. And so we come to the end of this two week series. You see, the two weeks go together. We need both. We need God's sovereignty and we need human responsibility. There will be times in your life when you're coasting or being lazy, when you need a prod, and what you need is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Let that be a spur for you and I. We need it. We are responsible and we must keep going. But there will be other times when things are so bleak and so painful and the tears are flooding and the brokenness is so raw. we need to remember our Saviour Jesus and that we are in the hands of the one who will not let it all spin out of control he's in charge. We will need to remember 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly we're being renewed day by day. We need both. We need to hold on to them. So we finish finished on saying them both. we got it on there. Can people see it there? Let's say it out loud um, <coughs> to try and hold on to. Let's do the uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, 1 first. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now let's move to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we waste away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. Amen.